Thanks for listening to the church at Severn Run Messages Podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. So the reality is that, that Easter is either the pivot point of all of human history or it is one of the greatest um, frauds and one of the greatest examples of religious emptiness that, that men have ever created. And there really can't be much in between. I believe with all my heart that Easter changes everything. And not in a religious kind of way. I believe with all my heart that Easter changes everything because God came to give His life for us. That it actually happened. That church people have not always got it right, that religious people have often veiled Jesus more than revealed Jesus, but that Jesus Christ himself, this Nazarene carpenter who lived an unassuming life, who came uh, from an unexpected place, who who never held power at all, but spoke with, with words that were life. This man, I believe, his life, his death, And His resurrection is the answer to the biggest problem that you and I have in life, and that is death. You see, the simple reality is that every one of us is going to die. And it's a thought that we put off, it's a thought that we don't want to make a part of our our, our living, Um, but the reality is that death mocks everything. Death ends everything. It's impossible to love somebody enough to save them from death. It's impossible for us to to wrap our arms around someone we love and, and keep them from dying. It just can't happen. Death always wins. Except here. And on this day, one man came back. But he didn't just come back for himself. He came back for us to offer us a way out of the fog, to offer us a way out of our dying, to offer us eternal life. Not in a a dead religious kind of way. Jesus didn't come to make us more religious people, more angry, more superior, more judgmental of others. Jesus came to change us and put the very heart of God beating inside of us. And that's why to the Pharisees and to those of us who have a lot of religious head knowledge, Jesus said this in Matthew 18, 3, He said, I tell you the truth, unless you change, no longer doing life like you've been doing, unless you change and become like a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so, we can't come and experience eternal life as adults who are in control. We can't experience eternal life as as people who uh, are seeking power over others. We can only come seeking eternal life as people who recognize in Jesus our answer. Because you see, our problem in death is not just that we will die one day. The problem in death is that death is not just at the end, it's also in the middle. And and we all feel the, the brokenness of this world. We all feel the brokenness of our own souls. And, and so death has invaded our living like a fog, like a toxic fog that, that is killing us, though most of us don't see it. Why do we do things we don't want to do? And then why do we do things we want to do that are disastrous? Why do we say things 
to people um, that, that wound them, that hurt them. And sometimes it's not even just words that we, that we hurt people with. Why do we do those things? And where does our own sadness come from? Where does our own darkness come from? Why are we drawn like a moth to the flame? How is it ever a good idea when one little moth is watching the other fly near the light bulb, right? And look it up and says, it's so pretty, and he flies too close and gets zapped and falls down a dusty pile of smoke. And what does the next moth do? It's so pretty. And inside of us, there's this, this death call that, that leads us to, to move in ways towards a broken, stupid sexuality that violates vows and, and, and offers only more brokenness and more emptiness. Why? Why do we think that in the approval of other human beings we can find something to, to stuff inside? Why do we think that, that in recognition and significance, in owning more stuff, that somehow we can find an answer for meaning? Why do we think that we can answer the pain in some liquid form, some pill form, some, some form that we inhale? Why do we, we think that there is the pain in the first place? Because we live in a world in which death has already begun. And even in our closest relationships, we feel the broken, we feel the distance, and, and we work in love to overcome, but there's this gravity pulling down even as we try to, to move up. And the brokenness of life um, is, is all answered in Easter in Jesus. Not the Jesus of, of, of controlling religion, not the Jesus of TV preachers, but in the Jesus of the, the one who comes to us and invites us not to be more moral people, not to be better people. He doesn't invite us to try harder. Jesus comes and asks us to give our lives away that we might receive eternal life. Mark 8.35 says, For whoever wants to save their life in this toxic, death-ridden world, they're going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You know, this Easter there is the temptation in some of our minds to say that all of the religions of the world are the same. That they're all just different paths up to the same mountaintop. But that's simply not true. It's like when people say to me, you know how when the Bible says God helps those who help themselves? And I always say, nope, I don't know how it says that at all, because it doesn't. <laughs> One pastor uh, had heard several people who were, you know, on a spiritual journey say the same thing that, you know, I believe all paths lead to, to the same, you know, to the same end. And, and all religions are basically teaching the same thing. So, uh, he, had, um, he had a rabbi um, come, and he had um, an Islamic scholar come, and he had a Hindu come, and then he represented uh, Christ, and, and, um, and, uh, and they got them on stage, and they asked them basic questions like, what's the meaning of life? Um, is there sin, and, and Why? What about eternal life? What, what, what is that about? What does heaven look like? And, and then ask, how do we get there? Different answer, different answer, different answer, and different answer. Because all the religi religions of the world are not the same. 
and, and only one answers our biggest problem, and that is death. Again, not the death that's just imminent in the end, but the death that we're battling every day now, physically and emotionally and spiritually, the death that pulls down like gravity. Only one offers an answer that overcomes death and brings eternal life. Because you see, all the religions of the world basically are, are, are giving one essential message. And, and that, is, that is this. They're, they're basically saying this. Do. Work hard enough. If you work hard enough, you can get into heaven. If you, if you earn it. And we, as human beings, we love to earn stuff. You know, especially we men, we, feel, we like to feel like we've earned things, you know. Um, and, and that's because we live in a graceless world and grace is kind of a foreign thing to us. And so um, love is hard to trust and so working hard for something comes pretty natural to, to many of us. And so the religions of the world are, are all about human beings coming up with different God ideas about how to get to God up here and, and saying, okay, work this way, this way, and this way. And another religion will come up and say, well, no, 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 this is really how you work it. And another will come up over here through time and say, well, you have the five pillars. You work that and you do this. And, and, and then still another religion will, will come over here and say, well, guys, you've gotten it all wrong. Here's how you work it. I was at a uh, Hindu temple in Nairobi. And I didn't realize that Hinduism was so big in that part of, um, of Eastern Africa. But trade has been going on with with India for uh, hundreds of years, and, and so I'm in this huge temple, and I'm listening eagerly to um, this man describe his vision of God and, and spirituality, and, he, and he's talking about the 16 uh, million, um, 300,000, forgive me if I've gotten the exact number wrong, uh, but, you know, times that you can be reincarnated and, and work to get it right and go through life, and I'm just sitting there depressed, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to be pretty frustrated after like number 101. And I know that after a million, I'm just, I'm, when I'm born a cockroach, I'm just going to stay. It's like, you know, aww, go ahead and step on me, you know, because I ain't getting it right last time. I, you know, and, and 16 million times to try to get it right, I mean, that's kind of like the epitome of work it, do. But again, forget whatever you've heard and whatever's been misrepresented to you by by bad religious people or wrong religious people in Jesus' name and, and use your imagination and go back to the source of it all, Jesus Christ. And, and go back to a man who, who lived without titles and go back to a man who loved without limits and, and go back to this, this radical who, who literally changed the world with, with no human power whatsoever in his hands. And here's his story. His is the story of, of, of a divine love that, that is unique and different from all the other religions of the world. Only in Christianity does God come down to planet earth and become one of us. Live a perfect life. And, and live a perfect life that is not above, but a life that is with. And, and speak love into broken. 
and, and to answer hatred with forgiveness. This man lived an amazing life. No one could find fault with him. Even at his trial, the only people who could bring accusations were the liars. And so, God became flesh. He breathed our air. He walked our sod. He, he taught and he lived and he loved and he died. But on the third day, he did something that answered our deepest problem. He did something that changed everything for those who choose to believe and receive it. Jesus came back to life by the power of God. Only one came back. And there, um, you know, in his coming back, Jesus left one message for all of our, our temptation and, and desire to earn it and work it. He, he, he ended his life with, with the words to Telestai, it is finished. Translated, it's done. And so the difference between Christianity and really, really Jesus really didn't come to start a religion. He came to bring a kingdom. The difference between Jesus and every other religion in the world is this. That the message is not due. The message is done. It's all been done for you. And you and I have to simply receive it. And so our, our decision this Easter then is, is what will we do with the story of God? Because the story of God is a story of love in four acts. The first act is the, is the act of creation. The second is the act of, of the fall. The third is redemption. Redemption means to buy back or to restore. The fourth is restoration. And in creation, the scripture tells us that, first of all, there really is a God. And I can't prove to you that there's a God. I can't show you God. If, if perhaps God revealed himself in terms of who he is, we would be so overawed and, and so um, you know, overwhelmed and overcome that, that, that it would be impossible to have a, a relationship with him because it, you know, we would be compelled. But God is. And, and, and I can't answer everything. We are alive in a mystery. To those who say, well, I believe that, that there was just a big bang and everything just came from that. Well, where did the stuff come from to bang together? Why is there anything? And, and, and so even the atheists must agree that we are, we are amazingly alive in a mystery. And I believe that God is, is the, the answer to that mystery. The Bible tells us that God is a God who loves and that his love is infinite. In fact, the, the, the Bible actually tells us in, in um, 1 John and, and 2 John that God is love. That's who he is. That, that, that is his essential character. And then out of love, God made a choice in creation to, to come and, and to do something astonishing, and that is to create us. Now, I also don't want to overwhelm you with my art degree. <laughs> Some of y'all are saying, my three-year-old draws better stick men than he. It's true. It's just true. But God created us. That's a decent one, isn't it? <laughs> okay, his arm isn't connected, but you get the picture. God created us, and and he created us in love. And, and so the story of God is your story. You were created in love by God. And, and, 
and he knew your name and, and you're not a mistake and it is a good thing that you're in the world and you may be here today without ever really feeling in the depth of your soul that it's a good thing for you to be alive. That it's a great thing, a glorious thing for you to be present on planet earth. But I want to tell you, if nobody has ever communicated your value and your worth in that way, then hear me today on behalf of God say, that is God's glory in creating you. It is his image that you bear and represent that God was pleased to make you and he made you for himself. You are worth knowing. You are not forgotten, you are not unloved, you are not abandoned, you will never be abandoned. No good father can ever forget his daughter or abandon his son, and our father never has and never will. He knows your name. And if you have any, any ability to hear in your soul, you will hear him call it and whisper it today. He wants relationship with you. He doesn't want religion He's not asking you to be one way on Sunday and another way during the week. He's not asking you to try harder, be more moral, do better. All that change will come. What he's asking for you to do is to give away your heart. Because love is a decision. And in creating us, God gave us a free will. He made us like him. God has a free will to choose. And he made us like him to choose. And love is a choice. Now, all of us, um, we've all had the experience of loving people who didn't love us back. You know, like, whether it was like third or fourth grade where, where you wrote in the box, I like you, do you like me, check yes or no. And we've all had the experience of loving somebody who didn't love us back. True? Some of you guys are going, not me. I've never had that happen to me. Well, you have. And, and when, you, when you love somebody and they don't love you back, you can't just like go over there and, and come, well, you're going you're gonna to love me anyway, you know, and you just wrap them up, and, and you can't make somebody love you. That's a, a federal offense. <laughs> and in the same way, this Easter, some of you are here, I know, you're, you're not here by choice. You're here by joyful coercion. You know, mama said you were coming. And, uh, and if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, so... So I'm glad you're here, but I'm serious. It's, it's like you're not really here because you want to be. You're not really, you know, God isn't something right now that's really attractive to you. And there are other things in life that appear far more important. And right now, you're, you're okay in the fog, and, and you, you can't see that it's killing you. But you were beautifully created to be known. And to choose to, to love Father back. But the truth is, we move into the second act of, of the story of God, and that is the fall. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short into the glory of God. We all exercised our own independence. We all declared that we wanted to do what we wanted to do that we were not going to allow God to be our leader, our guide, our, our Lord, that we were going to enthrone ourselves as boss of our own lives. We would be our own God. And so instead of choosing to love God back, we chose a different path and, and we chose sin. And where, whereas God is love, the truth is that sin 
um, brought about death in our lives. And, and, and we did not see this part of the whole thing coming. And when you and I declared in the fall our independence from God, it's kind of like that deep sea diver on the bottom. You know the kind that's walking around in the heavy boots and it's got the, uh, you know, the, the hoses up to the ship where it's pumping air. And we're kind of like the guy on the bottom and we declared our independence from, from those guys above telling us what to do and we cut the line. I'm free. You're free to die. And the time you have left is short. I remember talking years ago to a Baltimore City detective and, um, and he was... He was telling me about the first time that he was in the morgue one night about 11 o'clock and, and there, there's a man laid out on the table and he said he was just overwhelmed with emotion. He'd seen death plenty of times. It wasn't, it wasn't his first or anything like that. But it just struck him on that night for some reason as he looked at this man and he looked at his face and he said, that man could have been my neighbor. I could have waved to him when I was leaving this morning. That man, just like me, put on his pants and his socks and his shoes and his shirt and he walked out the door and he never ever expected to be here tonight. He said, every day when I wake up, I remember that I don't have control over death in my life. And when you and I sinned, we separated ourselves from Father. We got our independence, but in getting our independence, we brought death into life. And, and it was a disaster on, on a cosmic, eternal scale. We broke fellowship with God. And, and what happened was in, in our lives was this, this separation from God, this gap between us and God that, that not only is in time, it's, it's forever, First time I went to see the Grand Canyon. How many of you all have been to see the Grand Canyon? Um, you know, the first time, I, I guess I pulled up and thought I, I would be the only one who would choose to visit the busiest national park, you know, in the West. Found a parking place, and then I'm walking up to observe the glory of creation, except there's like a crowd of, of literally 15 to, to 20 people deep uh, among the closest place there, right on the edge of the parking lot. And so I, I wait my turn and, and I walk up to the edge and, and I'm, you know, by this time, like, I've kind of sort of like surrendered the joy of, you know, being out in the wilderness <laughs> uh, because I feel like I'm in Times Square. And then I, I step to the edge and I look out and it's like, wow. A mile down and a mile across a distance I could never leap, I could never jump across. And, and so it is with us and, and our, our distance from God. And, and the reality is that the Bible says that, that all are, are sinful and, and separated from God and, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Our biggest problem in life is death. And the reality of God's love is that he is the death overcomer. Some of us, in terms of our, our own sin, um, you know, we're, we're still living under the idea that if we're good enough that, um, that we can make it. But 
you can't jump the Grand Canyon. It's too far. The distance is too great. And in the same way, some of us are in denial of our own sin, but the Bible says very, very clearly, um, you know, in, in 1 John, it, it says in, in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we're just deceiving ourselves, and then the truth is not in us. We look at our lives and say, well, I'm not any worse than anybody. I'm clean, but there's different levels of clean. There's like toilet bowl clean. Right? How many of y'all, you know, I mean, it's like you want your toilet bowl clean. How many of y'all are neat freaks here? Okay, how many of y'all just like it neat in your house? How many of y'all just don't care? You guys are driving those other guys crazy. So there's different contexts for an understandings of clean. And, and there's toilet bowl clean, but there's also dinner plate clean. Now, when I come over to your house... I got to know that you know the difference between those two. <laughs> I'm trusting that in your mind you understand the difference between that kind of clean and this kind of clean. And then there's dinner plate clean, and then there's like surgery clean. When some doctor's going to operate on you, uh, do you want her just to take her instruments and throw them in on the, uh, the pots and pans cycle in the dishwasher? You know, rinsed them off from the last patient, you know, got a paper towel and then just stuck them in and, and, and put scrub. Is that, is that clean enough for you? No. So you and I look at each other and we say, well, I haven't robbed or murdered anybody. I'm okay. But what we're doing is like a bunch of pigs in a pigsty looking at each other and saying, I'm no dirtier than you. Oh, yeah, well, you're still a pig. <laughs> and so, so God... God hated the death that came into life. He hated the separation. God loved us and, and wanted to do something to, to answer the, the fall. And so the third act of the story of, in, the, in the, the unfolding drama of God is that, that God did something in love that was absolutely amazing. God sent Jesus Christ to die for us and to build a bridge for us. And Jesus did not merely die for us as a good moral example. He was not merely a good moral teacher. Jesus did something for us that, that was actually, it's called the substitutionary atonement. And, and those words, I don't want you to, to think, oh, it's just, you know, um, you know, just fancy theological terms. No, no, substitute. That means when somebody takes someone else's place. And so in Jesus, God put the penalty for all of our sin on him. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to work hard enough. We just have to receive it. And, and Jesus paid the penalty for us. First uh, John 2, 2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. When you hear the word atoning or atonement, think of at one meant. That you were created to be at one with God, in fellowship with God. You were created to be right with God. And, and God does not want you uh, dying and, and drowning apart from him. He doesn't want you suffocating in the fog. He wants you alive in his arms. And so God did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He paid the price. He bore our sin. All of your sin. Jesus took upon himself and he paid the penalty for it. 1 Peter 1.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. 
By his wounds you have been healed. This is good news. This is great news. What I could not do for myself, when I could not save myself, Jesus has done for me in his redemption story. He has redeemed or offered to redeem us to buy our lives back, to pay our sin debt. First John 2.25 says, and this is what he promised us, even eternal life. <laughs> Only one came back. In no other religion of the world is there this story of the resurrection, is this, this story of the answer to death. And in dying, Jesus did not merely die and stay dead. On the third day, he arose and he destroyed death. He defeated death. He opened the way for us to have eternal life, not only eternal life that begins when we die, but eternal life that begins when we start to live in believing in his name. Jesus said, I came that you might have eternal life. I didn't come to make you religious. I didn't come to make you arrogant. I didn't come to, to make you a hypocrite. I came to bring my Father's home and heart into your life that, that he might live in you and you might live in him. And this is the, the theology of the substitutionary atonement that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 1 John 4, 9 through 10 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. This is a true story. For some of us, it's become so religious and so powerless, but no, 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 wake up to it again. Let it hit you again. This is a true story. This is the reason we have hope on planet earth. This is it, or there is no hope. This is how God showed his love. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Not merely as admirers. No, no, no. We give our lives and we live through him. This is redemption. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so the redemption story is a story of a choice. It is the story of the choice that God made to create us and then to offer us redemption. And now it becomes the story of what you and I choose to do as well. You see, God's not going to violate your free will. He's not going to make you love him. If you don't want him, you don't have to have him. Some say, well, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? He does not. We send ourselves. What hell is, in essence, is a place where God isn't. And if God is light, then there is no light in hell. If God is love, there is no love in hell. If God is community, there is only loneliness in hell. And those who say, well, I'd rather party with my buddies in hell than, than, than be with God, your buddies are going to hate you in hell. You're not even going to see them. It's dark. And they're going to have no regard for you whatsoever. It's everyone for themselves. It's the epitome of, of being utterly lost. And the only reason anybody goes to hell is because God is honoring their choice not to be with him. God's going to love you. He's not going to force you. But he's lovingly going to invite you to make your choice. And so, so here's the choice that we have to make. We are free today to keep our own will and we are free to, to choose to be our own God and the captain of our own soul and we are free to, to totally throw out Easter and, and ignore God and, and pursue just whatever it is our, our false God is for this season of life. We're free to do that. 
But God wants us to know that eternal life begins not with us, but with Jesus on the cross. We can't get from here to here. It's impossible. But we can get to here from here. And if we will begin with the cross and receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, accept the free gift of eternal life, then, then God redeems us from sin and death and, and he, he brings us into His eternal life and we get to live with Him here and now. And then the fourth act of the, the, the drama of God, uh, which is to unfold, is the restoration of all things. There is coming a time in the days ahead where, where time will be over, where this earth will be ended, and, and where God will gather all those who believe to spend eternity with Him. So you're wondering why things aren't perfect now? Because we're still in the broken world. We, we are not restored finally yet. The restoration, heaven is coming, but earth is not heaven. And it all comes down to a choice. And it's a choice that takes faith, it takes surrender, and it takes courage. It takes courage to live for Jesus just as it took courage for Jesus to live for us. And so today, this Easter, on the, the, the heels of, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what I'm sharing with you is that it can become real for you if you'll put your faith in Christ. If you will simply believe in the reality of the resurrection, your death problem is answered, your life changes, and your eternal destiny is set. But it all depends on what we believe about the resurrection and its reality in our lives. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would make the, the resurrection real to us and personal to us and alive to us so that life may come to life and death may end and we may be different now and forever. In Jesus, amen. Today, I'm gonna ask you to to make one of three choices. Of course, there's more choices that you can make and I, I just pray that you'll respond to, to the reality of eternal life that has come to, to broken, to make whole. It's real. It is real. But today, uh, there's a, a decision card that's on your seat. And I'm going to ask you to, to take this card and when you make one of these three decisions, I'm going to ask you to take and just drop it in the offering plate when it comes by in, in just a little while. And in just a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if today you pray that prayer for the first time, I'm going to ask you to circle real big. Today I've decided to follow Jesus for the first time. Maybe some of you are here and you've, you're already Christ followers, but you've never been baptized. Baptism does not save you. But it is an act of obedience. It is a yielding of the will. It is a point of surrender. And there are so many of us who are living in disobedience. We haven't followed through on baptism. And you know what? If we're holding God's Spirit in check in our life and saying no then we're not saying yes. I know, brilliant observation, right? Today, say yes and commit to just surrender and be baptized and, and get busy following and living life in the footsteps of Jesus. And hey, if you want to talk to somebody about, about this spiritual journey, then, then circle that third one. We would be happy to talk to you. But, but again, we're not the paid religious people here. We're not the professionals. The truth is, if you know somebody who's living an authentic Jesus life and, and there's, there's a difference about them, then talk to them. 
But this is the decision point. I want to lead you in a prayer that's going to require courage, right? And I want to say this, that I'm going to ask you to do something that requires courage as well. And know that in Revelation 21.8, the Scripture tells us uh, about people who will be consigned to the fiery lake of, of sulfur. I know we don't like to hear about those things, but it talks about a second death. You know, there's, there's two deaths that, that those who reject eternal life have to endure. And then there's a list of people who are going to experience that. And, and for me, murderers would be first. Like, right, yea, them, them getting theirs. But not so with God. The scripture in Revelation 28, 21.8 says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile... And then come the murderers and the sexually immoral. The cowardly come first. Courage matters to God. Choice matters to God. Not emotion, not not giving into what you feel, but making a choice above what you feel. Courage matters. And so if you've never accepted Jesus today, if you haven't dealt with your problem, uh, your death problem with, with the gift of eternal life, then I'm going to ask you today to put your faith in Christ, receive Him as your Lord and your Savior through this simple prayer. And I'm going to pray it out loud. Uh, I often pray with my eyes open while I'm driving. And you can pray with your eyes open too. So if you want to have the gift of eternal life, then let this prayer be yours, own it, and say it with me. You say it silently as I say it aloud. Dear Jesus, I believe you. I ask you to forgive my sin and heal my brokenness. I accept your gift of eternal life. I freely give my life away to live your will on earth, not mine. Please take complete control of my life. Become my way. Become my truth. Become my life forever. Amen. With a prayer that simple, your sins are forgiven, You are brought from death into life. Your name is written in the book of life. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. You may not feel any difference, but it's true. And so now, encourage, I'm going to ask you, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand up. You won't be standing long by yourself, but I'm going to ask you to stand up. Just stand up right now. Just stay standing. If you decided, just stay standing. If you decided today to commit to follow in believer's baptism, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Stay standing if you're standing. Go ahead and stand up. But if you chose today to follow in believer's baptism, would you please stand up? Just stand up. All right? Then let that decision be known in the card and drop it in the offering in just a moment. And let's stand and celebrate the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.